coming up on Crossing the Lane Lines. Listen to the voices that are already at the table. Listen to the organizations that have been here for 10, 15 years doing this work. It's not new. And then instead of trying to create these new initiatives to fight social injustice and inequality, which has been around since the existence of this nation, instead of trying to create new movements, validate the initiatives and the organizations that are already in place because they already have the community's trust. Last summer, USA Swimming was called out for not only its slow response to speak on the lynching of George Floyd, but also its failure to acknowledge that Black Lives Matter. This all came about mainly as a result of a social media post that went viral, calling out the need for USA Swimming to listen to members of the Black Swim community and take their lead from them. Today, we'll speak to Noelle Singleton, a former competitive swimmer, elite-level swim coach, and the author of the post that is challenging USA Swimming in particular and the swim community as a whole. Stay tuned. In San Francisco, this is Najia Lee and you're listening to Crossing the Lane Lines. USA Swimming's leadership released a letter to the organization's membership outlining USA Swimming's path forward to deal with diversity in the sport of swimming and acknowledging the racist history of swimming. The letter is signed by USA Swimming's president and CEO, Tim Hinchy, USA Swimming Foundation board chair, Dr. Cecil Gordon, and USA Swimming board chair, Bob Vincent. The letter came in the wake of last summer's lynching of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police. The letter that USA Swimming released was essentially a second draft after their first statement did not include the words, Black Lives Matter. USA Swimming received criticism for this omission on social media for not including the phrase in their original statement. One account called Afro Swimmers issued a direct message to USA Swimming that was shared by current women's 100-meter Olympic gold medalist, Simone Manuel. And it is on today's show that we are honored to have the author of that social media post. Noelle Singleton is a swim coach, former competitive swimmer, and founder of Afro Swimmers, based in Seattle, Washington. She is an active force in promoting swimming within the Black community, both for beginners and elite athletes. Noelle Singleton, welcome to Crossing the Lane Lines. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. And I also want you to know, Najee, that I am a huge fan of your work, and I just appreciate how you continue to elevate the stories of the black experience within the aquatic community. So thank you for your passion and dedication to storytelling and making sure that our voices get heard. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your kind words. Noelle, take us back. What prompted you to write this social media post to USA Swimming? <laughs> the same thing that prompted everyone's anger. Um, I, saw, I saw the original post and to be honest with you, my rebuke of their post did not come until several weeks later. I took my time. Um, I'm very intentional about the words that I put out into the world through social media. Social media is a very powerful tool, and you have to be careful when you write posts out of emotion because now you are projecting your emotional 
stability and or instability onto everyone who reads it. So initially I saw the post and I saw what was wrong with it from the very beginning, but I waited. I waited until I calmed down. Also, at the time that they released their statement, um, I was living in Seattle, Washington, and there were several protests going on. And I just, I had this anger building up inside of me, and I didn't want to hurt the people that I was supposed to be fighting for. So I had to wait until I could separate my emotions from my intentions. Um, and in my post, I wanted to there was so much anger circulating already in media and in social media. People, people were hurting, and it was obvious for those of us who had eyes to see and for those of us who have empathy. We saw the pain that was circulating all around. So it wouldn't have benefited me or Afro swimmers to release my anger on top of the anger that was already circulating. I needed to guide people towards how to be productive with their emotions. And that's why I waited to respond. In my response, I did my best to make it a call of action and not just criticism, because there's a difference. And for some people who never learned about healthy ways of communication, they don't know the difference between criticism and constructive criticism. I really did put my best foot forward to make sure that that public rebuke of, of the USA Swimming original statement was constructive criticism because I realized I'm dealing with people who don't know any better. So to be angry, that's like being angry at USA Swimming for their first post is like being angry at a blind person for not seeing the color red. They've been doing this for years. They've been this way for years. They knew the percentage of African-American participation within their organization was literally less than 1%. And it's been this way for years. They have the most resources out of any body, uh, a governing body of swimming and aquatic resources that could be had within the industry. They have access to it, and they intentionally have not been using it because it wasn't a priority to them at the time. But now we have on videotape the black experience. Now anyone anywhere in the world can go on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, and watch black men and women be murdered for situations that could have been resolved with a simple conversation and apology. And so it was time to turn the heat up and say, I'm not just going to call you out for your years of inaction. I'm going to call you out, but I'm going to tell you what you need to be doing to make this better. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to participate in competitive swimming, you're going to have to deal with USA Swimming. There's no way around them right now. Emphasis on right now. There's no way around interacting with them. So it's better to help them to maybe describe the color red instead of trying to get them to see the color red because they're still blind. They're, still bl they're as blind as today as they were yesterday as they were 10 years ago. But I want to show people that you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. But it's still always better to lead. And that's what led me to write that post and to speak out. People were angry, and they needed to know that you can be productive with your anger, and this is how you do it. Simone Manuel was one of the first major athletes to repost your message. 
If not for her and her platform, what do you think your chances would have been that your post would have been on USA Swimming's radar? Simone is Simone is a trailblazer. And I recently just did a post on this. No one asked to become a trailblazer. Nobody fights social injustice because it's fun. Being the first black anything, no one waves their hands and says, you know, I want to be the only person who looks like me in the room and I want to deal with all of the, the trials and consequences that come from being the first. Being the first is hard. And Simone, her voice as a social justice advocate was already there. So she only elevated what she saw and knew to be true. She knew it was true. And I'm very grateful that she shared it because it validated my point. It validated the experiences of black swimmers uh, who don't have fancy Instagram accounts and don't have a podcast or, or a place to be heard. She validated every single black man, woman, boy, and child who's ever participated in competitive swimming when she reposted that image. And I'm, I'm forever grateful to her for doing so. Um, but I also want to acknowledge that for a long time, I believe that USA Swimming has been using images and video clips and the experiences and careers of swimmers like Simone and Cullen and Leah, they use these black swimmers and they try to make them the poster child of swimming for the black community. You can swim just like Simone. But the truth of the matter is there are black coaches, there are black lifeguards, there are black WSI instructors, there are black CPR instructors who are out here saving black lives by working in aquatics every single day. And we need to uplift all of those people because you can be them too and still be great. Um, I, I believe that the intention of the post is what allowed people to attract to it. Intention is very powerful. And I didn't have the intention on hurting USA Swimming or shaming them. I had the intention on taking them to the water. I had the intention of describing the color red and letting them know you guys are off track, but here's how you get back on track. And here's some organizations who are already doing the work. Do you want to be a part of this? You don't have to, but just know that we're here. And by me saying that publicly, they could never ever, in the history of their organization, they can never again say we didn't know because now we have a receipt with a timestamp. We have a screenshot. We have proof that they have been led to the water, that it has been requested of them, that they acknowledge these areas of improvement. And whether they choose to do so or not, lets you, the swim community, know whether you're a priority to them or not. So I hope I answered your question. <laughs> I'd like to read the statement you wrote and then your comments on a few things. You wrote, Dear USA Swimming, in your public statement, you said, we are struggling to understand, and we believe you. You missed the mark. We want to help you find it. Over the past three years, 
Afro Swimmers has grown to become one of the largest communities of black swimmers in the world. The absence of diversity and black representation within your organization was one of the catalysts for the creation of the Afro Swimmers movement. Black swimmers needed a safe space to be celebrated and acknowledged without having to provide a reason, holiday, or protest. And unlike myself and all of the swimmers that came before me, now they have a lane just for them. So instead of listing all the things you have gotten wrong, we are going to tell you what you can do to get it right. There is an entire generation of swimmers counting on you to get it right. Don't let them down. You go on to talk about representation and events like the Black Heritage Swim Meet. Can you talk about why representation matters and why this swim meet is so vital for young black swimmers? Oh, wow. Um, the Black Heritage Swim Meet is the experience of a lifetime for black athletes and coaches. It the reason what makes it special is actually the same thing that allows us to continue to fight in this space. The Black Heritage Swim Meet is a celebration of cultural diversity, of inclusion, of equity. It's the one place where right now, today, in 2021 and before, where a young swimmer could go and not be the only black kid in the pool. It's the, it, the fact that we have to celebrate a swim meet for bringing black kids together and acknowledging them based on their talent and not the color of their skin, that, that speaks volumes to what we're fighting. And USA Swimming for a long time uh, I won't get into the exact politics behind the decision, but they very much were not involved in that meet. Um, and some of it had to do with the decision to keep the name Black Heritage Swim Meet. They didn't want to be associated with that name at that time because they felt like it excluded people. But the truth of the matter is, we, the Black community, we're the ones being excluded. Why shouldn't our heritage be acknowledged? We've contributed to the very building and foundation of this entire country. Why should we not have a swim meet for our own? And they didn't see the purpose behind it. And I'm really grateful for the founders uh, of the heritage meet who kept, who continued to preserve it and protect it so that for those of us who do see its value are able to share it with our children and our swimmers and our, our teams and our staff. You need to see what, what it looks like when inclusion is intentional. And that's exactly what the Heritage Swim Meet is. And it's a beautiful site. Everything from fish fries to uh, culture gear, um, just seeing the, the pride of all the black families that show up to support their swimmers. It's, it's, a, it's a site. And I, it's my hope that everyone gets the opportunity to go. It's really sad because of COVID. We haven't been able to have it again, but I'm hoping that as soon as we can, in a safe way, that we'll be able to celebrate again our Black heritage. Late last year, USA Swimming formed a 22-member committee to address the issues of systemic racism within the organization. People like Maritza McClendon, Kellen Jones, 
Sabir Muhammad, Giles Smith, and Leah Neal are on it. But as good as all this sounds, how confident are you that change will happen on the ground at a local Y or a regional meet? Mm, that's a really good question, Najee. Um, I'm very confident that change is going to be happening on the ground because it's already happening on the ground. But it's not happening because USA Swimming formed uh, what they are formerly known as is Team Black. Um, that's not what is going to cause the change. The change is happening because of people like you, because of people like me, because of organizations like Black Kids Swim and Swim Uphill Foundation and um, Diversity in Aquatics and the Michael Phelps Foundation and people who are ready to come to the table to say, we have a diversity problem in this sport. There is a history that needs to be acknowledged there are, is a community that needs to be validated, and there are programs that need to be launched. Who's with me? That work comes from everyday people. That work doesn't come from trailblazers. Trailblazers add additional fire to the work of grassroots. So I am very confident that, that, uh, that the change is going to continue to grow because it's already been growing. And I am happy that USA Swimming did establish this committee. That was one of the things that we asked for, that they established a committee, a committee to in, intentionally diversify uh, their organization. However, if you, if you were paying attention right after they formed Team Black, they also added two white women to the actual board. They did, uh, USA Swimming did not... Um, bring in any new faces or diversity on the actual board itself. Um, so I think that they took two steps forward and then they took another five steps back because that was a perfect opportunity for them to say, we hear you and we see you and we're committed to this change. But I believe that no progress is ever wasted. It's something my father used to say to me and it's something that I live by. So I honor the work of Maritza and Cullen and Sabir and Gillies and Leah, and we continue to need them to stand up and represent the voices that don't have a platform to be heard. But by no means are they the gatekeepers of the progress of the entire Black community. That work belongs to us, the community, the moms, the dads, the, the, the parents who are working two jobs to pay for swim equipment. Um, the communities that are raising fundraisers to pay for swim lessons for families that can't afford it, they are the gatekeepers, and they're not going to give up. I'm wondering if you could take a moment to talk a little bit about what drove you to found Afro Swimmers and how it's grown. And secondly, can you talk about your work with the Michael Phelps Foundation, in particular with their emphasis on dealing with swimmers and their mental health? Mm. Um, Afro Swimmers grew completely on social media. And I love celebrating that fact because before COVID, you know, there were a lot of people that just didn't see the value of having a social media presence. They felt that social media was just all for hype or show and there was a lot of negativity and it's just invasion of your privacy and wasn't worth your time. And here I am building a global movement during a time where no one was looking for one. And then all of a sudden, the tables turned, 
and we couldn't show up in per- person anymore. Everything had to be virtual. And where's the first place that everyone flocked to? Social media. So I took a free, uh, I took a free platform that was designed to help people communicate all over the world and used it to promote black representation in aquatic sports. And remember what I said earlier in the interview about the power of intention. My intention for Afro swimmers was to be a visual contradiction of the stereotype that black people don't swim. Seeing is believing for many people. And so instead of getting into these verbal intellectual arguments with people on social media about what black people did to allow the stereotypes and the statistics, the drowning statistics to to become what they are, instead of arguing with them, I just say, click here, see for yourself. Look at these videos and you tell me what black people can't do, what black people don't do. Not only do we swim, we were always swimmers. Learn your history and then come back and have a conversation with me. So that's, that's what drove me to, to create Afro Swimmers. There was an absence of our faces, of our images, of our stories, and we were only being celebrated if we were being seen as superhuman or, or breaking world records. But the truth of the matter is there was a stereotype that needed to be addressed. It, the elephant in the room needed to be called out. And I found a way to address that stereotype without making other people defensive. You can't argue with the truth. You can try, but if you're sitting here looking at the experience of black swimmers, looking at the experience of black people in America, when you see it on videotape, it makes it real. It makes you feel like you're there. And I did that, and I'm still doing that for black and brown people who love water as much as I do. Um, And let's talk about Michael Phelps Foundation. So the Michael Phelps Foundation is a amazing Learn to Swim initiative. They have a national partnership with the Boys and Girls Club of America uh, and the Special Olympics. And they've been doing a lot of good work, including the creation and implementation of what's known as the IM program, uh, which offers uh, the learn to swim modules um, in the same way that Michael himself learned how to swim. But what makes their learn to swim initiative special and different from others is that it includes a mental health initiative. They're not just teaching these kids how to swim. They're teaching them how to acknowledge their feelings. They're teaching them how to create goals. Um, they're teaching them how to accomplish goals. How do you, how do you need to talk to yourself? Uh, they're teaching them how do you communicate with your coach about how you feel. And they're learning this at very young ages. And when I learned about this work, um, I knew that I wanted to be a part of it. Um, I first started to build a relationship with the Michael Phelps Foundation during my participation with the National Drowning Prevention Alliance, the NDPA. Every year they host a national water safety conference and they bring together coaches from all over the nation and and families who have started nonprofits who have experienced drownings both uh, personally and professionally who are trying to find ways to fight back. 
when I, I actually applied for the scholarship and I received the scholarship from the Michael Phelps Foundation. And I believe it was that letter that I wrote uh, to them talking about why I needed to be in the room that they realized not only do you need to be in the room, you need to be on our team. And so the mental health part of what the foundation is implementing, in addition to the mental health initiative that Michael Phelps, our founder, uh, has taken on with his personal life and in his personal platform to speak up that it's okay to not be okay. Here we have the most decorated Olympian of all time, of all time. He has achieved things that some people didn't even think was humanly possible. And here he is screaming, saying, I am a human being. Depression is real. I have to fight for my life and my happiness every single day. I have a beautiful wife. I have three amazing sons. I have an amazing career, but depression doesn't care about that. Depression doesn't care that I'm the most decorated Olympian of all time. Depression just sees a, a weakness and it takes advantage of it. And that area of weakness is called being human. We all have emotions. But what I appreciate about what Michael is doing is he's creating a platform for other athletes and other sports to come forward and say mental health needs to be discussed more in athletics. You can't just keep pushing a person like they're a robot and, and giving them goals to achieve, but what happens when they achieve them? Then what do they look forward to? And so what we're realizing is that not only are high-profile athletes experiencing this level of mental breakdown, but we have teenagers, we have middle school age children that are dealing with anxiety and depression because they are dealing with things that our generation never experienced. Facebook came out when I was in college. So when I was in high school and middle school, there was no cyberbullying. None of that existed. Now these kids are communicating 24 hours a day. They're, being, they're interacting with each other at school, before school, uh, after school, on vacation. That's a lot of pressure. There's going to be consequences. So how do we protect our children from themselves? How do we protect them from the advancement of technology? And how do we protect them from making the same mistakes that we did? We speak up. We open up and tell our stories. And that is what the Michael Phelps Foundation is doing behind the scenes. And I'm hoping that through the partnership with AfroSwitmers that we're able to help tell their story and show the world all of the work that is being done so that they don't feel like all of our progress as a community is relying on one committee with one governing body. Grassroots organizations are powerful, and the movement is being televised. I'm really grateful for the mental health initiative. One of the main issues with black folks not learning to swim are hair issues. There are many that want to learn, but the swim caps that are designed are usually for those with short hair or hair that is more Eurocentric. How important is it that we have a broader range of swim caps for folks like us? Mm, they're already here, Najee. 
They're already here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so just excited and proud to be a black woman. You know, I, I, for those of you who've never seen me and you're just hearing my voice for the first time, I'm an Afro-wearing swim coach. And I swim. I'm in the water four to five days a week and before COVID more. You know, now it's all about access. But you don't have to compromise your crown, your hair, your self-esteem to do what you love. And until before these larger swim caps were coming to play, you did have to compromise. You did have to choose. I can literally remember um, one summer swimming um, with my competitive swim team, and there was a kid who had this re- he had these really long braids. And I remember one coach uh, talking to him saying, you know, you just, it would be a lot easier if you just cut it off. That coach, I, regardless of that coach's race, when that coach made that comment, they were speaking out of ignorance. We now have research to show the importance of a person's appearance and how it affects their performance. Appearance affects performance. It affects your confidence. It's a form of self-expression. It's a form of pride. It's a form of honor to, to, to God or, or, or whatever your faith is and who you or what you believe in. There's so many different avenues of influence all coming from hair. And as a black woman, who's grown up in a society where I was told to straighten my hair and that the straighter the better, it, it's, a, it's a freedom knowing that I can wear my hair as it grows out of my scalp. I can be a mermaid. I can swim. I can climb. I can dance. I can do what I want to do and be who I am at the same time. By providing larger swim caps, you are welcoming black people into the pool. You're saying we acknowledge that you're different and we celebrate your differences. Here's something to help. And what I love about these larger caps is that you're, I'm seeing a lot more black businesses and black entrepreneurs that are selling them. It's all about inclusion. It's about acknowledging and seeing the needs of the people within your own community. And as of now, for competitive swimming, these larger swim caps have not been approved for use. But we are hoping that through more exposure and by showing the need that the rules will change. It's intentional. Although USA Swimming is talking about more diversity in their ranks, it seems that most of the focus is in the pool. How important is it to have more black swim coaches involved with the change that they are supposedly seeking? Mm. Najee, these questions are awesome. They're so awesome. (laughs) Right now, it's important that people understand how to listen to this conversation that's being had, the conversation of diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
as a white coach or a white swimmer, your role, if you believe that there needs to be a change within our current um, athletics departments and structure, if you see the need for improvement, your job and your role here is to listen. Because what you're doing is you are acknowledging the experiences of other people. And even if these experiences are not in alignment with your own, it's okay for you to speak up and say, that hasn't been my experience, but I acknowledge that it was someone else's. What can we do to make this better? Right now, we are seeing a lot of Learn to Swim initiatives all over the nation. Some are in predominantly white areas, some are in predominantly Hispanic areas, and some are in predominantly black areas. But what we are also seeing is that there is a shortage. There's a national shortage of lifeguards. There is a shortage of black swim coaches. And we need to be able to honor that representation when it comes to changing these statistics. In order to change the drowning statistics, in order to change swimming, you need to have trust with your target demographic. Who are, who are you trying to reach? When you know who you're trying to save, that will tell you who you need to save them. There's nothing wrong with white instructors and coaches going into black communities, but there is something wrong with only white instructors going into black communities wanting to save their lives and change the community of a community that you're not a part of. But when people come together, black coaches, white coaches, Hispanic coaches, Asian coaches, Native American coaches, our brothers and sisters of all nationalities, races, ethnicities, and traditions, when they come together and say, I recognize your need, but in addition to recognizing your need, I recognize your need for representation as well. When you go in together, you're able to build trust, which makes your initiatives more successful. So what I love about the Black Lives Matter revolution, I don't even like calling it a movement because it's not a movement, it's a revolution. What I love about it is that more people are coming forward saying, I want to be a part of this conversation, but I don't know how. Where do I start? Show up and listen. Listen to the voices that are already at the table. Listen to the organizations that have been here for 10, 15 years doing this work. It's not new. And then instead of trying to create these new initiatives to fight social injustice and inequality, which has been around since the existence of this nation, instead of trying to create new movements, validate the initiatives and the organizations that are already in place because they already have the community's trust. And Najee, that was my issue with Swimclusion. Swimclusion is the movement that USA Swimming has started to address diversity and inclusion issues within aquatic sports. But the problem with that is they have lumped together so many different experiences all into one. An example, <clears throat> they are trying to put together LGBTQIA plus uh, concerns, black community concerns, 
Hispanic community concerns. They're trying to put every gender concern. They're putting them all under one umbrella saying, we're going to change the world. How are you going to do that? You don't even have enough people within your organization that represent these voices that you're trying to uplift. You don't have the trust of the community. Swim, we don't recognize swim inclusion. What is that? Who is that? I just heard about them last year, but last time I checked, Najee, I've been black my whole life. So representation, built, forming partnerships with grassroots organizations and uplifting the voices that are already speaking, that is how you change the world. That's how you change swimming. That's how you join a revolution. But when you try to start your own initiative so that you can take the credit for something that you didn't even see as a priority until last year, I don't even want to say what that is, but I think you already know. We've been speaking to Noelle Singleton, affectionately known as the coach with the fro. She is a former competitive swimmer and the founder of Afro Swimmers. And in its nearly four years of existence, it has grown to be the largest community of black swimmers in the world. And we will link to their page. Noelle Singleton, we wish you and your family health and safety during these challenging times in our country and sport. And thank you so much for joining us today on Crossing the Lane Lines. It was truly my pleasure. Thank you and swim more. You've been listening to Crossing the Lane Lines, which is produced by the Black Swim Collective at our studios in San Francisco, California. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you receive your podcast. From all of us here, we thank you so much for your support. And remember, no lives matter until Black Lives Matter. In San Francisco, this is Najee Ali, for crossing the lane lines. Signing off.